0: Hey everyone. Welcome to the Happy Flosser podcast. My name is Billy Lunt. I am your host and I am here to talk to you about all things dental hygiene to support you on your journey through the dental hygiene program. Welcome. So glad to have you. The mixed dentition is a wonderful yet awkward stage in our lives. With all that's going on in a child's life, it's only fitting that we transition through the process of resorption, exfoliation, and gaps in our smile at the mixed dentition phase. The reason why this is important is that in the clinical setting, parents will often ask the dental hygienist questions like, is it normal for my son or daughter to still have this tooth? Or should I expect that this tooth will come in soon? Is it supposed to be like this? Is this what it's supposed to look like? We never quite know what a parent will ask, but we can almost guarantee that they will ask something and we can be prepared for just about any kind of developmental focus question if we know all that there is to know about the development and eruption patterns. When you are charting a patient with a mixed dentition, it is very helpful to know the eruption sequence when you're trying to decide if the patient has a deciduous molar or an adult premolar. You want your charting to be accurate and detailed with the proper information. The information that you learn the first couple of weeks of school will serve you well for your entire career. Charting a mixed dentition successfully requires some prior knowledge of basic tooth morphology of both the primary and permanent dentitions. From a student perspective, making the determination about whether a tooth is primary or permanent can be quite challenging when you first get started. Understanding basic character traits that are associated with the primary and permanent dentitions, as well as eruption dates and exfoliation patterns for the age of the patient are key components that should be considered as we try to strategize how to go about the process of charting a mixed dentition. Just as we do with our adolescents and adult patients, we perform an initial assessment for our child patient that includes a comprehensive medical history. And this provides us with effective and safe treatment information for our young patients. Now, some aspects of the medical history may reveal health concerns that may also be related to the dentition development and any abnormalities. Keeping the eruption date ranges and development norms in mind as you begin the charting process is very helpful. Ask yourself, which teeth should I expect to see in the next dentition given the age of this patient? You can prepare yourself a bit by considering the answer to this question before you even look in the oral cavity. When you are looking at the developing dentition, your initial view should be to inspect those cervical areas for any demineralization and also look for any loose or soon to exfoliate teeth that may be present. For our young patients, it is so important to build trust and rapport with them. Engaging with our young patient in the learning process by looking for missing or soon to be missing teeth prior to even touching them is so important. When you are charting the mixed dentition in the electronic record, there is a process to do it accurately. You wanna start with the permanent dentition and then begin a systematized approach with the maxillary right quadrant, starting with the third molar, and then make the determination if this tooth is either present, unerupted, or missing. Now, because we're talking about the mixed dentition, we're gonna make the assumption that the wisdom tooth is not clinically present, and you're probably not going to be able to see the wisdom tooth on the radiographs as well so that tooth would be charted as missing. It's important to use your radiographs to help you through the process of charting. Now, as a general rule, if you are unable to see a tooth present on the radiograph, you would chart it as missing. If you can see the tooth on the radiograph, but you can't see it clinically in the dentition, you would chart these teeth as unerupted. When you get to a tooth and make the determination that it is a primary tooth that is clinically present, you would select that tooth on the electronic chart and change that specific tooth to a primary tooth. Now, when you're first learning how to chart a mixed dentition, start by charting the teeth that are permanent, missing, unerupted, or primary first. Then go back and look for things like restorations, decalcification, attrition, spacing, and other more specific charting details. When you are completely finished with the charting, the entire mixed dentition should be referred back to your radiographs just to double check for accuracy. Does everything line up and make sense? Does it follow the exfoliation patterns? Now consider the main functions of the primary dentition. To maintain good nutrition. To develop good pronunciation and speech. To guide the permanent first molars into their correct alignment. And to maintain space for the permanent teeth. Now patients that lose their teeth prematurely for any number of reasons may need additional support from or referral to correct some of these issues, either language development or perhaps interceptive ortho, in order to help them support them going from the mixed dentition to the permanent dentition phase. When you're taking a general look at the mixed dentition, there are some characteristics that are normal for developmental spacing. There is usually generalized spacing among the anterior teeth, and that spacing uh, is very variety in size. It can go from 0 to 10 millimeters, with an average of about 3 to 4 millimeters between the teeth. And this spacing is desired because what that does is it helps overcome the significant size difference between the primary and permanent incisors to allow for better alignment. Now there is primate spacing that exists between the laterals and the canines. And sometimes when our patients lose their primary teeth early, there can be abnormal jaw growth and development The permanent teeth could erupt too early or into an incorrect position and this could result in malocclusion. Now the opposite is also true. Sometimes primary teeth are retained for a number of reasons. Maybe there is no permanent successor, so as a result there is no resorption of the primary root. Perhaps the permanent tooth did not erupt in its normal position so there's no resorption as well. And sometimes you can have ankylosis of a primary tooth where the cementum of the primary tooth fuses to the bone and then the tooth can no longer exfoliate. Now the exfoliation of the primary teeth happens when the permanent tooth begins to apply pressure on the root of the primary tooth as it's developing. That pressure triggers the body to activate osteoclasts and odontoclasts, which causes root resorption. And then the permanent teeth will actually cause that root resorption to happen, and the primary tooth becomes loose and then will eventually exfoliate. The permanent teeth develop just lingual to the roots of the primary teeth. Some general rules of eruption, just to guide you when you're working with the mixed dentition, is that mandibular teeth tend to erupt first. That the teeth tend to erupt in pairs, so the central incisors will come in together. Then the lateral incisors will generally come in together. Girls tend to have earlier eruption patterns than boys. The primary dentition roots completely are formed by 14 to 15 months after they erupt clinically. And the permanent dentition roots completely form about two to two and a half years after the eruption of the crown. The primary dentition teeth begin to form at approximately four to six months in utero. And the eruption process begins at about six to eight months of age. Now the general eruption sequence is that the central incisors come in anywhere between six to 12 months. And then the final teeth to erupt are the maxillary second molars between 23 and 33 months. When you have a patient that has a mixed dentition, you wanna think about some of the general characteristics of the primary teeth versus the permanent teeth. So the primary tooth morphology, the crowns are a little shorter and a little wider, and they have a marked constriction at the CEJ, and they have relatively long roots when you compare them to the crown. The occlusal anatomy is not as defined as the permanent teeth, and the dentin and the enamel are much thinner. The enamel is much less mineralized. When you're looking at the radiographs, the pulp chamber is much larger, and the molar roots are very flared to allow for guidance of those permanent teeth into the position. So when you're looking at these teeth and you're trying to make the determination if it's permanent or primary, the other thing you want to look at is you want to look for mammalons and the actual size of the tooth as it relates to some of its neighboring teeth. All of the uh, primary posterior teeth have a very prominent mesial cervical ridge or bulge. The crowns tend to taper towards the occlusal with a really narrow occlusal table, which is different than the permanent molars and premolars. And the second molars are much larger than their first molars. They are wider mesiodistally versus occlusal cervically. So you want to think about the differentiation between the first and second deciduous molars and the first and second permanent premolars so that it will help you make those determinations if those teeth are present or not. There are shallow occlusal anatomy features, so there's fewer grooves or depressions. And there's very, very short root trunks on these teeth, so if you're looking at the radiographs to make that determination, uh, you want to look at those root trunks And don't forget that those, they flare out. So you'll be able to see that on the radiographs. Students can sometimes mix up the primary second molars with the permanent first molars. So be sure to count the teeth and see kind of where you're at. Uh, Look at the way that the teeth come together and think about the tooth morphology of the permanent first molars so that it will help you make that distinction if you're looking at the primary second molar or the permanent first molar. That is definitely an error that a lot of students make at the beginning when they're first learning. If you have a patient in your chair and they only have primary teeth, you still wanna start with the permanent dentition and then go through the process tooth by tooth to determine if the teeth are missing, unerupted, or clinically present in the dentition. Because as your patient ages over time, you can make the necessary edits at each visit to show the process going from the primary to the permanent dentition and still keep your electronic records accurate. This is the systematized way to create an accurate mixed dentition, primary dentition, and permanent dentition electronic record. If you have a patient in your chair that only has permanent teeth, you would start with the permanent dentition and go through the process starting in the upper right quadrant and note any teeth that are unerupted or missing and then go back through the dentition to chart any restorations that that patient may have. Always refer back to your radiographs to clearly indicate any discrepancies that may exist. Then go back to your electronic chart and note your findings from your radiographic interpretation on your dental chart. On the electronic chart, you have options of which category you will put your charting conditions into. It's important to properly allocate each of your conditions into the correct category in order to end up with an accurate document. Each of the categories are usually denoted by a different color and are defined a little differently. The four categories are existing, which is denoted by an E, existing other, which is denoted by EO, completed, which is denoted by a C, and treatment plan, which is denoted by TX. Now, existing is used for treatment that has been completed within that practice. Now, perhaps the patient's been a patient for a very long time in that office, and the office is transitioning to electronic records. If all of the treatment has been completed in that office, but is considered to be existing as of the date of the originating of the electronic chart, you would chart all the restorations and conditions in this category as your baseline chart for that patient. Existing other would be used if you're seeing a patient in your practice for the very first time. This patient's conditions and restorations have all been done somewhere else other than in your practice or office. Now students enrolled in the dental hygiene program will use this category most because most dental hygiene programs do not perform restorative work at their facility. The completed category is used to chart any services or treatments that are performed within the operatory on that given date. It's important to document all services to maintain the dental record accuracy over a long period of time. The treatment plan category is used when a doctor diagnoses a treatment that is needed on a patient. In dental hygiene school, the dentist will review all radiographs and create treatment plans for patients and we will note them in the electronic chart. It's important to note that all of the electronic chart is a legal document and should be treated as such. Now, as a general rule, Each category of charting is color-coded to make it easier for the clinician to recognize treatment history and treatment needs with a quick glance of the dental record. Most dental records use green to denote treatment that is existing from another office. Dark blue denotes treatment that is existing from the current practice. Light blue for completed treatment and red for recommended treatment. This is only a general rule and color usages may vary between regions. The most important thing to remember is that you want the chart to be as accurate as possible. Assigning the correct category to each condition is a key step in having an accurate charting assessment of your patient. Whenever you have a new patient in the chair, regardless of their age, and you are doing your assessment charting. When you're all done charting the entire dentition, take a look at that dental chart and say, does this make sense? Is this really what I see when I look in the patient's mouth? Is this what I see when I look at the radiographs? You can use your memory tip of your eruption patterns if you have a patient who has a mixed dentition. Does this make sense that these are the teeth that are present in the mouth, knowing that there are variations? But you know enough to be able to pick up any errors that you may have made if you stop and pause and ask yourself this question, does this make sense when I look at my patient and I look at this dental record before you move on to the next step? Thank you so much for joining me today. Join me for the next episode where we will be discussing tooth morphology of the maxillary molars. That information should be well understood when you are doing instrumentation techniques in the clinical setting, so you won't want to miss it. Are you looking for study sheets? I've created study sheets that cover the content of this episode. If you're interested or that's something that's going to help you on your learning journey, you can click the link listed right in the description of these show notes. Happy studying! I would invite you to ask any questions at all that you need answered. Sometimes questions come up when you're listening to this podcast. If you have a question, most likely someone else has the very same question. I'd be happy to answer it and would probably share it in a future podcast.